0: Welcome to the OWIC Publishing Offer Spotlight, showcasing books and offers who boldly proclaim the Word of God. Welcome to the first edition of the OWIC Publishing Author Spotlight, where we are going to be interviewing authors of Christian books. And today I have Justin Derby, author of An Inconvenient Truth. What's it? Another Inconvenient Truth. There it is. So, and I had to get that title right because there's actually an inconvenient truth written, I think, by Al Gore, I believe. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. So, oh, I'm just promoting his book. No. Anyway. Um, You're fine. But anyway, we'll uh, get into this. So, first, before we get into the book itself, tell us a little bit about your backstory. What is it that caused you to write it? And what got you into doing videos
1: and uh, apologetics and things like that? Right. Well, I started my Truth the Objective Reality ministry as a blog back in 2013 because at the time I was just finishing college and I had at that point for like a year, I'd been just reading through apologetics books, articles and watching videos on those topics. And I felt like I had enough unique insight that I could actually you know, put my thoughts out there and reach people with them. And so I started as a blog in 2013, and then in 2014, I became a Young Earth Creationist, and it was right around that time that I decided, you know what? I should write an apologetics book that covers a variety of topics. Mm-hmm. And this was partially inspired by Jenkins, who did a similar kind of book the year before. So I decided to start writing this book, Another Inconvenient Truth, parts of the book are lifted straight from my blog and other parts were written exclusively for the book and so we cover a wide variety of topics in this book mm-hmm. topics like abortion homosexuality atheism evolution the status of the american christian church at the time the founding principles of the united states of america uh let's see what else did we cover oh yes the inconvenient truths about the historical jesus which basically covers his teachings as well as when the gospels were written and i think i end the book with the chapter on the rapture and when it occurs mm-hmm. and so basically it was meant to be like an introductory apologetics book that covered a variety of topics instead of focusing on one single one mm-hmm. it was meant to be no, it wasn't meant to be like a complete academic work, which, as you can see by how small the book is, it's not, uh, yeah, especially <laughs> not that kind of book
0: hitting the scope of topics that you hit. And, uh, so I actually, uh, I grabbed a copy of it, so, uh, you can order it on Amazon anywhere else you can get it right now, or just Amazon at this point.
1: Uh, the second edition you can get on Amazon. On the T T O R official website, there's a section for this book, and there's actually a link to a ebook store where you can download the first edition for mm-hmm. free. Oh, okay. but yeah, the second edition in my hand you can only get on Amazon.
0: Okay, great. So I got through that, and uh, I was late picking it up, but I end up reading about half of it this morning uh, to get into, uh, get into what you're doing. And, uh, of course I, that put me through the homosexual debate. It put me through the atheism and the abortion sections. And, you know, it's really, really well done as far as, um, it provides a lot of evidence going out, looking, you're looking at the science, you're looking at what people are saying, and then you're digging into the scriptures and you're really making a lot of logical arguments. What does it led you to, to this particular style?
1: What is it that I like about it? Like what, what
0: led you to the particular style of you're really digging into the heart of combining oh. the scriptures with the science at the same time. Like you're quoting from a lot of the detractors of the faith. Um, right. And that's what I thought was the most compelling about the book is how much you are getting into them and really making those arguments.
1: Right. Well, uh First Peter 3.15 makes it clear that we as followers of Jesus are to defend the truthfulness of our worldview. And then, of course, there's 2 Corinthians where Paul says we're to demolish and destroy every argument and pretension that sets mm-hmm. itself up against the knowledge of Christ. So we have a call to do apologetics. Mm-hmm. But a problem that I saw with a lot of apologists, especially those in the old earth camp, is that they tend to Not use the Bible as their standard for their apologetics. And I thought, you know, if we're going to be dealing with these apologetics topics properly, we need to be grounded in what the Bible says because Mm -hmm. that is our standard for how we interpret reality. And so I wanted to show what they were saying and then show how this contradicts the Bible so that those who are Christians who are confused on the matter. Can be unconfused essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's a, an unusual approach to take in our modern world where most people are so biblically illiterate. It was actually refreshing to pick up a book that quotes from so much scripture. And that is what the point you made was very accurate in that, you know, we are commanded to get into it. This is why I do a lot of media analyses and um, I will watch movies that maybe Christians probably shouldn't watch at times. Um, Just this last week, I I heard about almost a year or two ago, the movie Good Boys. I'm like, well, let's see how bad that actually is. And I got the chance to watch it um, and I was like, Wow. There should be people in jail after producing that film um but that's the type of thing and that's where i like where you're getting it to the heart of it where you're not just taking a christianized viewpoint and then attacking a straw man that a christian viewpoint says you're actually getting into the resources so let's get into some of the um some of the specific areas um the first one you talk about in the book i believe was abortion is that correct Yes. so what is your general stance and um, uh, what was the argument you were you are taking and and what was the the logical conclusion you found from scripture on that?
1: Well, it has been a while since I looked at my first book. Uh, but I basically I <laughs> yeah but basically the stance I took on abortion is that the Old Testament, especially the Torah, Makes it clear, at least to me, that killing or injuring an unborn child carries the same legal punishment as killing or injuring. An adult who obviously is not in the womb anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I figure from just that alone, it's pretty clear that the Bible teaches that abortion is murder. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, you have all the other scriptures about how God forms us in the womb and he knows every hair in our head and he knows all of the days of our lives and how they're going to go down before we even come out of the womb. It's pretty obvious that the Bible condemns abortion in the most explicit sense and in every other sense because of the fact that it's straight up murder. I mean, you look at our legal system today. If you kill a pregnant woman in like a car accident, for example, you'll be charged with a double homicide instead of a single because the other person is the baby in the womb. Abortion basically is just a legal loophole that allows people to get away with murdering children, whereas in other circumstances, if you murdered a child in the womb, you'd be held accountable for that.
0: Yeah, and that's a, a valid point. You actually quoted quite extensively from an article that was from, it was from what Medical Ethics, I think. is It was a, one, one of the prestigious medical ethics journals saying, hey, we should just be able to kill children if they're inconvenient <laughs> to us. And mm-hmm. this is an important debate I was having with a gentleman actually in Hollywood uh, no, no, about a year or so ago. I was having a debate with him and, you know, his stance is, you know, people have sex. It's part of the biological function. And so they should be allowed to abort a baby. My stance is, hey, maybe if you don't want a baby, you should abstain from sexuality because the fact. Oh, okay. them, yeah, I know. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> we can't do that. That'd I know, horrible. <laughs> I know. But uh, overall, though, it's very clear where they're starting from the standpoint of a baby is just a clump of cells. Therefore, if it's inconvenient mm-hmm. when it's in the womb, it's also just as inconvenient when it's out of the womb. So go ahead and kill that child. That's what their directly. approach seems to be. And it's a godless approach. And that was one of the most uh, I haven't read that article or actually, I mean, I've probably seen or encountered that debate or discussion at some point, but it's not one that I've actually really looked at before. And so I'm like, uh, that's weird. <laughs> and That's true. And you said that you pulled that. Is that the is that the article you said you put into a Facebook group and people are accusing you of making it up? Or is that a different article?
1: Uh, that might be a different article, but I do, I I do want to point out how horrible the arguments of these people were, because I've seen this article you're referring to about abortion and how we should be able to kill them after they're born. I have actually Mm -hmm. seen people in the years since I wrote this book, use that argument and they actually quote this article. So my dealing with this article back then, I felt like was a very good preemptive thing to do in Mm -hmm. retrospect. Yeah, But the reason why they said that uh, adoption was not a viable option and alternative to murdering the child in the womb, it's just hilarious. Well, if the mother were to give up the baby, she might miss it and she might wonder or dream about her child. And if the child will return to her one day and it might cause her some stress. So just kill it in the womb. Avoid that whole problem.
0: Yeah, Um and we do know that uh, people who go through an abortion have a lot of negative consequences of it emotionally, and it may be a little bit better hey at least another child has a better chance of surviving uh-huh. so yeah, um now, the article I recall you bring up to a Facebook group had to do with um had that, to do with the homosexuality debate, I believe
1: oh yeah so let me find that
0: yeah that would be in what chapter three I think I was going to stop around chapter two and then I got into that I'm like let's see what he says about this one I had a few spare minutes of time and so yeah yeah, it was um, it was a lot of interesting points like I had not uh, I had not actually gone to the CDC numbers to look at the increase in sexually transmitted diseases particularly syphilis you talk about I mean I've been all over it for coronavirus stuff but you know Of course. Uh, But uh, the facts you're pointing out directly from the CDC basically say if you want to greatly increase your odds of dying early, you know, the homosexual lifestyle might be a good choice for you. And I'm not saying this to say, you know, you're uh, what's the best way to frame this? I'm not saying this to say you're just, you have no options in life if you're a homosexual. What I'm saying is you have to come to Christ and recognize that 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 reality is, you know, that that lifestyle is a sin. And there was actually a a church, while you're looking for that, I'll tell you the story. Just let me know when you find it. But uh, there was a church out here that I used to attend. And uh, it's a big church, one of the largest ones in our town. And it turns out that one of the people on the praise and worship team is a homosexual. And so he comes out and he writes a big book about how he's a celibate homosexual. And to my friend's point, the problem is, is that the children growing up in that church and seeing this guy and seeing him celebrated for that lifestyle, they're not going to remember anything about being a celibate homosexual. They're going to remember that there was a homosexual in the church, and therefore that's okay Mm -hmm. with the Christian Uh, mindset, which it's not. I think it looks like you found Uh, it. Uh, Go ahead.
1: I think you were earlier referring to the part of the book where I pointed out on a Facebook group years ago that, you know, the uh, pedophile community was using the exact same Mm. arguments to justify legalizing their behavior like the homosexual community did. And basically the homosexual community that I was talking to at the time Claimed that there's no way that would ever happen and that they don't deserve to have their behavior normalized. And so I asked them, well, why? They're making the same arguments you are. They even credited you with giving them the arguments. Mm-hmm. And their response is that children are not capable of consent. Mm-hmm. Well, in the years since, I point out to them, I think at the time that the academic world would come out and claim that they were. And that's actually what has happened in the years since I put out this book. Mm-hmm. There have been academic works and articles and whatnot. And you've seen probably articles in the legacy yeah. media or the missing link media actually making the argument that children are capable of consenting to this.
0: Well, not only that, but we're starting to see now in our culture, um, we're seeing a softening of the terms. So now I'm sure you've seen the term map being thrown around. A map is a minor attracted person. It's a way to mm-hmm. normalize these feelings. You have the, what are called the quote-unquote virtuous pedophiles. Oh, I, I like the little children. I just, uh, I would never do anything to them because they can't have consent. Well, it's, it's not a far slope To go from this person is a pedophile to a map to a virtuous person to "Eh, let's just go ahead and do it. Because, of course, in California and the times I've known you, you know, California recently just passed. Oh, what was the do you remember the bill name on that? No, Um, So I can't remember the bill name, but uh, it was passed by uh, Wiener of all guys. It was basically decriminalization of pedophilia where a Mm -hmm. person, a a minor as young as 15 years old can have sex with a man as up to up to 25 years old and is no longer considered a a sexual crime. Um,
1: As long as it's within that 10 years, it's perfectly legal. And that is
0: there, of course, also what came out the same month that was passed, Cuties, of course, came out on Netflix, which is just – it is just utilizing children for sexuality. Uh, Netflix also has Big Mouth, which is – Yet another uh, very pedophilic cartoon in this case. They have another one called – is it called Yes, God, Yes, I think? uh, Explores a teenager with masturbation. These are all things that are coming out in just in the past six months
1: Uh
0: all tied to this argument you were making. When do you write this book? Like five years ago, I think you said?
1: Uh, the second edition came out in 2016. 2016. The first edition came out in 2014. Okay, so yeah. it's
0: four to six years old at this point. So, And that is a, a valid point where if you are talking about morality and ethics, and this is a part you got into in your, in your atheist chapter, we you're talking about morality and ethics, we have to have a framework by which to start that. Right. Mm -hmm. In other words, there has to be something external that's not our society, because otherwise our society votes on what is moral and what is not.
1: Mm -hmm. And they can just change their mind whenever they want. Uh, Ravi
0: Zacharias was famous of saying some people like to eat their neighbors. Some people like to eat with their neighbors. Do you have a preference? And, (laughs) you know, that's... (laughs) So uh, it's all culturally accepted norm. I mean, if cannibalism is a thing in your culture, cannibalism is a thing in your culture. Um, If pedophilia is a thing in your culture, it is. And that's really where you're getting at is we have to have a moral standard. And that's what the scripture gives us is a moral standard.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's what I, I found very, really, very fascinating about the read. Now, I have not gotten into chapter four yet. American Christianity denounces true followers of Jesus. Can you recall what that is about? Because that chapter looks very compelling. I just ran out of time today. I'll get to it very soon.
1: Basically, it basically deals with postmodernism and how mm-hmm. it took over the church. So it deals with people like Rick Warren and Brian McLaren, Reverend Curry and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I did quote a very interesting article uh, by Reverend Curry from that year. Uh, Actually, no way. Let me look at this one. Uh, No, it's a K2 article from that year. I think 2014, where there's this chapter in Portland of the Child Evangelism Fellowship Ministry. They actually came under fire for, get this, teaching children that each person is a sinner in need of a savior.
0: (laughs) I used to sit on a board of CEF. <laughs> so it's like, good to know that they're still uh, they're still preaching the gospel, you know?
1: Um, and basically, this Reverend Curry guy came out in response to that and was like, yeah, man, you can't tell children that they're sinners in need of a savior. They need to determine right and wrong for themselves. Hmm. It's like, wait, you're supposed to be a Christian reverend, and yet you're like, yeah, that Bible thing? Throw it
0: out. Yeah, that's... Children. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm seeing in our, in our modern era is this, this idea. So yeah, I'll be, I'm very interested to see where you go with that. But I think that where one of the things you're getting at here is a conversation I had with another friend of mine recently. And uh, you know, the question is are uh, the question he phrased it is, do you think we're too black and white in our discussion? Like, well, you know, the Bible's kind of black and white. Because you know the uh, the kids' parents believe that oh you think you're just too harsh well too harsh on churches that are rejecting the gospel is not harsh enough in my opinion if you think I'm harsh wait until you have to bow your knee before God and you know and uh, answer for what you've said and what you've done in your life. That's going Uh to be an interesting take on, uh, on it. You know what I mean? Um, right. But yeah, I think where, where I was most interested in this is the get people who take a deep dedication to the scriptures. Like I know you do, and I know I do. And, There are churches that will downplay that. Um, When I moved back here to Pennsylvania and I go into a church one day and I was talking to the pastor about, you know, getting into the Bible every day and things. He's like, well, you know, we don't need to be that legalistic about it. Like not legalist, maybe. But if it's not the pattern of your life to be in the Bible on a daily basis, you're going to be asking for problems.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And so, yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, yeah. If you don't know what the Bible says, then you're easier to lead astray or mislead about what it says. Then you can basically just adopt what the world says, smear a couple Bible verses on it that are ripped out of context, and then present it to someone as see the biblical worldview allows you to believe this and teach this. Yeah. And that's
0: one of the problems I have with this one verse culture that we seem to push on ourselves is this inability to actually look at what is in the scriptures, uh, truly. So, yeah. Um, and like I said, that's, that's as far as I got in the book today and I've just, it's such, such a well-written book. So, uh, what else, uh, what else am I looking forward to as I finish this up here in the next couple of days? So what other subjects are covered in there?
1: Well, the separation of church and state chapter you'll find very interesting because mm-hmm. you will basically learn how the founding fathers did not interpret that phrase the way that today's courts over the last few decades have. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn that the Christian principles of the Bible were actually were the foundation of our country according to the founding fathers themselves and they admit that the whole system doesn't work if we abandon those principles. Mm-hmm. And there's also a chapter on the historical Jesus, which I think is the best chapter in the whole book because it proves that Jesus was a real person. It proves that the Gospels are the earliest and most detailed documents we have about him. And it shows all of the inconvenient things that that Jesus taught. And then after that chapter is the end times chapter about when the rapture occurs, which is a chapter that is very inconvenient to a lot of the pre-trib uh, uh, what's that book series called that is based uh, on behind. pre-trib left behind Left behind people. They, they won't like that chapter, but <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I find that that
0: is a fairly divisive uh, topic in the modern church, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. um, so be it. You know, sometimes the scripture is and inconvenient I, to our life, you know.
1: As a little bit of a spoiler without revealing all the details, basically the idea of pre-trib rapture has to do with those people not being comfortable with being on the earth when the beast system and the antichrist himself come into existence and into power. Mm-hmm. They think that they're not going to be here by the time that happens. But as you'll see in the chapter, that's not the case.
0: Mm, can't wait. <laughs> I'll hopefully get to finishing the book up here by the end of the week. But uh, yeah, it is a a very, uh, very well-written book, very compelling as far as the approaches and, and things. And, um, yeah, it's sometimes we, sometimes it is inconvenient. So you went with the, the title of the book An inconvenient truth. What led you to that particular title?
1: Uh, I was inspired to write the title of the book as another inconvenient truth because I was spinning off of that Al Gore book. Okay. And because the truths documented in this book are all inconvenient to everyone on the planet, but especially those who rebel against God to the extent that they refuse to submit Mm -hmm. to him. Everything in this book's inconvenient. So that's why I called it another inconvenient truth. Except instead of giving one inconvenient truth, I give a whole bunch.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess when I was looking for the book to pick up, when I accidentally I stumbled on Al Gore's book, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It was intentional. Good to know. Uh, so, mm. um, but, yeah, actually, that's, that's uh, good to know information. And uh, like I said, we can find this on Amazon, right? And yes. um, and w- I, I found it by looking for um, another inconvenient truth, and I put your name in there, Derby, and uh, that showed it up right there on the first result. And you can get uh, softback and ebook versions. You said right?
1: Yeah, eight dollars for a paperback like this, and I think it's five dollars yeah. for a Kindle. Down, I
0: can confirm the five for the Kindle. Like that, I picked it up today. So. Uh very good. We will have the link for that in the show notes there as well. Anything else that you want to say about the book as we wrap up here?
1: Well, having written this book years ago and looking back on it, I could say that it's definitely the first book I've ever written mm-hmm. because I'm currently writing a sequel book called Another Inconvenient Truth 2 defending young earth creationism and I think my new book is a vast improvement over this Mm -hmm. one, but that's just simply because I've changed over the years. I -hmm. think when I look back and I consider what I was like at the time I wrote this book, this actually holds up pretty well over time, especially with some of the things I wrote about abortion, homosexuality, the historical Mm -hmm. Jesus, basically every chapter, all the stuff I talked about holds true. It's just that my writing style has improved over Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, very good.
0: And uh, you also do a series of channels and, and places. So where can we find your videos at?
1: Well, I am a video content creator. Primary platform at this point is BitChute. My channel is TTOR, but I also have TTOR channels on sites like NewTube, Ugetube, Brideon, Joshua TV. And I started using Gab TV recently. So those are all places where my videos can be found. Although the most videos that you can find of me are on both BitChute and YouTube. Okay. So hit on to those two over there T T
0: O R. Uh, you said truth, the objective reality is what it's yes. acronyms for. All right. Yep. Sounds good. And of course, you can find you on a variety of alternative media, social networks. Are you on any of the mainstream type stuff or not at this point?
1: No, not really. But yeah. <laughs> You can find all the social medias that I'm on on my BitChute channel or go. in the description box of my BitChute videos. Excellent.
0: And we'll have uh, we'll have the BitChute and maybe the YouTube and a couple other ones in the description here for this podcast. So uh, we will wrap up here. Any final words?
1: Well, considering the name of my ministry, I would encourage those of you watching who have not done this, to really seek out the truth about reality if you haven't already. If you find yourself in the position I was eight years ago where, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I know what my faith teaches, but I can't intellectually defend it, and I'm really ignorant about what's going on in the world, and I want to not be ignorant, I would encourage you to do what I did and just start studying Christian apologetics resources and reading books, reading articles, watching presentations on video sharing sites, and really get to know your Bible. Mm -hmm. And by get to know your Bible, I don't mean interpret it in light of what the world says. I mean, accept the straightforward and contextual reading of it after you get to know it. Because once you get to know that, then it makes your job of filtering through everything you see in the world a lot easier.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I can attest to that. That's for sure. All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming on to the show here today, Justin, and uh, we will uh, have the links for the book and for the other video platforms in the description here. And uh, if you are an author looking to jump on a podcast, we are a brand new startup podcast. so We're always looking for new guests. So reach out to us on our website, owicpub.com, and uh, we'll have information there about the podcast uh, and how you can get on the show. Thanks for watching, and we will see you guys next time. books and offers featured in this podcast are linked in the description. You can find this book and
1: others at our bookstore at owicpub.com slash bookstore.